Lord, thanks for uh, just who you are. And we want to take a moment and just lift up the community in Buffalo who just uh, just suffered the tragedy recently. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would comfort their families. And Lord, there's lots of tragedy going on throughout the world and many that's not reported. So we just, uh, our hearts are heavy for all those. We just ask that you would be with us this morning as we look, continue to look at Mark and, and the life of Christ and help us to understand your heart in greater ways. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. If someone would be um, kind enough to read that portion, I would be grateful. We did start a new sheet. You can start reading. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syria and Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dog under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Okay, so um, we come to a part of scripture and often we have this in the Jewish context where we have to understand a few things to understand the, 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 what's happening in, in, this, in this connection and, and how this interaction is between Jesus and his woman. So Seraphonician is possibly uh, a person who is half Syrian and half Phoenician. Uh, could be a person also who is from Phoenicia that was located in Syria, hence Syrophoenician. Um, either way, a Syrophoenician was a foreigner and considered a Greek. So far, right there, Jews don't want to talk to Greeks. So there's number one. In that culture, women were not treated very well. Um, well, I wouldn't say that. They weren't valued highly. Some of the women were treated well, so I don't want to make a blanket statement. Um, uh, but uh, they, in, in that culture, women were considered most often property. So now you have a Greek and a woman going to talk to Jesus. Um, so, previously, Jesus has been talking about, you know, what goes into a person um, is, is not what defiles them, right? It's what comes from the heart, right? So how does this account here with this woman? Just an overall view. Let's not get into the weeds just yet. Overall view. How does this account speak to those previous passages about what defiles a person? Okay. Yeah, so the overall picture is he heals the girl, right? So that's the overall picture. Um, but her heart was willing to go to him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there was some faith executed there. Um, she was not somebody who outwardly was appropriate, right? She was just... <laughs> so faith came out of her heart. Uh, trust and... and uh, some would say she challenged Jesus. She didn't challenge Jesus. She, she just spoke in a way that revealed her faith. Um, no, she did challenge him because 
you know, someone makes a statement and it's a true statement, what if? What about? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that... that broaden his point of view. That that he knew what he was going to do, right? He's God, so that helps. Um, (laughs) But I I think he, he, you know... we, we see this point where even in the Old Testament, we have David calling upon the promises of God. We have Moses calling upon the nature of God. We have Nehemiah saying, but you promised this, God. Um, and so she's almost saying, yeah, but I understand why you came, but uh, there's more to it than that. And so revealed the faith again that Jesus was for all. He wasn't just for the Jews. Obviously, he came and through the line of Jews, and we can look at the history of the Jewish church or Jewish people, and why we see how God sustained to bring us to the point where Jesus came and revealed the heart of God to everybody, right? But um, so here we are. Yes, Steve. Harold, did you raise your hand? No. Okay. I was going to say that one of the um, things I found amazing is that she's a Syrophoenician woman, so she, like you said, she is high up the social ladder, but yet she has enough faith. Concerned about her daughter. I mean, basically, right now, say another. Uh, uh, there were miracles happening through uh, uh, some other uh, religion. Uh, they were healing people, and you didn't know it. And actually, going to ask Jesus for your daughter. I mean, the reputation that must have been powerful. Right, Jesus had a reputation, um, and uh, obviously. The reputation was such she felt she could approach him. So let's look at Matthew chapter 15. We're going to see the same account. Um, and sometimes, you know, again, Mark is um, noted for his brevity. Um, some would say efficiency. Um, yeah, Matthew... Uh, again, there's all this uh, debate over whether Matthew wrote after Mark or Mark wrote before Matthew, uh, you know, or after. You know, most most scholars believe Matthew read Mark and said, "Yeah, you you missed some stuff. You you know, you just got the you just got the you like you gave an outline. Now let me give the real story." Is kind of what most scholars believe. In essence, it really doesn't matter. If someone would read Matthew chapter 15 verses 21 through 28, please. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Okay. Wow. (laughs) That's way different. A little different, right? So what does Matthew explain that Mark does not? Besides everything, no. <laughs> so is she Syrophoenician or Canaanite? Yes. <laughs> of course. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> That's not the hard part for me. I mean, yeah. In, 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 in Marx, it's like more of a, 
benevolent, everybody, love for everybody, Jesus. In Matthews, it's kind of like, ain't here for you. Yep. <laughs> Come on, man. Have right. heart. Well, and we, oh, and we see that she, she was actually requesting the disciples first. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah, yeah. She didn't go right to the source. Right. She, yeah. yeah. Let's get through them first. Right. It reminds me of the story of the little children that mm-hmm. came to Jesus mm-hmm. and the disciples yeah. shooing them away. Absolutely. For sure. Connie? Well, I can't figure this out. What does it mean it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it away? We're going to get there. So again, 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 she was she was not a Jew. So he came, you know, his point is I came. I mean, he said this often. uh, I came for the Jews is what he said. Um, And so at this time in his ministry, uh, there wasn't this radical Gentile inclusion at this point in his ministry. He was a Jew. Jews didn't have dealings with, with Greeks. So his point was, um, I didn't come for you. I mean, we know he did because, but at this time he's kind of, he's kind of masked. He's kind of hiding his real, who he really is and who he's really for to some degree. Um, and so he's trying to redeem Israel first is, I mean, we know that they, reject him um and so he's like no i came as a jew for the jews because again that's how they were interpreting his coming now he as he continues in his ministry starts showing them it's more than that everyone but he's playing by the rules to some degree at this point in time in the in the jewish context and so what he's telling her is but this is but this is a point i think for his disciples like we got sidetracked on this but that's fine point for his disciples to say yeah, but you guys think I came for you. Remember, they wanted him and they were expecting him as the Messiah just to come back and restore the kingdom and they could look at the Romans and the rest of the world and say, look at our Messiah. We're, our daddy's bigger than yours type thing and, and ha, ha, ha. And he was, and so, so the disciples were expecting him to just restore the Jewish kingdom. And so even I think for the disciples, him saying, hey, especially because we know they were interacting with him, for him to say to her, uh, it was kind of a, for them to, to perk up and go, ha ha, we are right, right? I wasn't, I, and, then, and then to listen to her response and him to go, okay, now I'm going to show, show the disciples the real heart of God. May it be done to you. Yes. But didn't he do that a lot? I can't think of specific stories, but he goes and approaches a group of people in the conventional sense, but a lot of times, you know, he'll go back, he'll circle back around and go, you know, I, I, I'm thinking of the four guys with yeah. the thing, you know, he's going the conventional sense, but then something that's non-conventional that shows people's faith, yeah. he takes that circles back around to it yeah yeah i mean i think always you can look at the ministry of jesus often and you you see even an example you've heard it said but i say to you so here hey i came for the jews 
But let me tell you, after her faith, what I really honor. Another one right. there was the woman at the well. Right, Basically right. Basically where he takes a, a situation where this woman, I thought she just uh, probably uh, five husbands or whatever it was, but she's wise enough to sit there and say, you know, we heard it said that we, the Jews, we worship over here on Jerusalem uh, on this mountain, but Jesus comes around and, and expounds on that. But even talking to a woman, I'm, I'm amazed that... Uh, well, there's that issue too, right? Yeah, go so. ahead. And it reminds me of him living out that one phrase... Um, I can't remember where it is um, that talks about that God doesn't really care about our sacrifices as much as he cares about our heart. Gene translation. Yeah, it's, it's in several places, but Psalm 51 especially. Um, you know, broken and contrite heart. God, you will not despise. Yeah. There's that one where he says that he hates the sacrifice but loves the heart of man. But we'll find out. Is that so? <laughs> so look at her words here in Matthew. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. So she recognizes who he is. Calling him son of David would have been a, a, a label reserved, a title for uh, the Messiah. Um, have mercy on me. We see that often from people who, who, you know, the blind people. We see that. The lepers. We see have mercy um, so right from the get-go, she understands, right? She understands, I need the mercy of the Lord. Jews didn't understand that quite often. Yes, Connie. Okay. Now, you say that Jesus isn't preaching to the Gentiles, that he may an exception for her. What did the Gentiles believe? Did they believe in God? Or? Oh, no. Gentiles were... Um, well, Gentiles, first of all, in its great scheme is anyone who's not Jew. So that's the first thing that we should just clarify. Anyone who's not Jew. Most of the Gentiles in this region would have been multiple gods sacrificing um, um, through temple prostitutes and other things. Um, and think Greek gods, multiple gods. That was the Greek culture that they were in. So um, Zeus, guys like that, a bunch okay. of things like that. So that's what they believed in multiple gods. Um, which really, if you think about it, anyone who doesn't believe in the one true God um, usually has multiple things that they worship, even if they don't have a belief system. They worship self, worship nature, worship, you know, dollars, whatever, you know. So, yeah. So, have mercy. And, of course, we see, as we've mentioned, the, the <laughs> disciples are like, send her away. Aren't these guys great? <laughs> like, <laughs> Just send her away. Send the people away. We don't have food for them. Send the children away. I mean, these guys are... are uh, imagine Jesus is like, oh, okay. No, I'm, he knew, right? But <laughs> Well, again, but you got to remember the Jewish mindset is, is first of all, he's our, he's our God. He's our king, not yours. Yeah. So, you, you know, uh, they don't, they don't want to play ball with everybody else. And so it's kind of this... This, again, misunderstanding of Scripture, misunder misinterpretation of Scripture. I know we never struggle with, with making Scripture fit our needs and our wants and <laughs> to make us feel... I know we never struggle with that. But that's really what they, you know, what they would raise in this idea that the Messiah is going to come back and establish his kingdom on earth, um, which he is, right? He is, uh, but they missed the first part. You know, they, they kind of went over some of those Scriptures, Gene. So in that region, you know, this 
talks about her being a Canaanite woman. So they've, they've had these Gentiles have seen the Jews forever. And I, I, I think yeah. of um, Ruth. And, you know, she was a Moab. Right. But, you know, she'd been around enough and with Naomi. Enough and the sons to have maybe developed an appreciation for the Jewish people and the Jewish God. Well, at the time of Jesus, there was no appreciation between the Jews and the Gentiles. The, the, the Roman occupation, they did not like the Jews. The Jews claimed that it was their land, and the Roman says, well, we're the ones in charge here. Um, and, and so really there was a suppression of the Jewish culture by the Romans because the Romans were, well, Romans were, they were, the, the Roman Empire was, was trying to establish itself as completely dominant at this point in time, which is why it tells us that Jesus at the right time died. And some of that is that politically in the, in the area of the Holy Land, certain things had to be in place for the Jewish leaders to influence Roman leaders to do what they did to Jesus. And that's because they were, all these guys were trying to hold on to power and they wanted to do these things that would um, play nice with some of the Jews, but also show, it's like, hey, we scratched your back, we killed Jesus, so that, guess what? I mean, to some degree. Um, and so it's just this huge power struggle in, in the region because the Jews are like, this is our land. And Rome, Rome's like, uh, yeah, but we're occupying it. So no, it's not. Uh, so a lot of just tension. I know that doesn't happen in this world anymore. But um, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so a lot of details here that Matthew gives us, which gives us a better picture. I mean, the, the result is the same, right? The result is the same. Uh, the, the girl gets healed. And, and Jesus honors the faith. So let's look to John chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 11. And if someone would be kind enough to read that, I would appreciate it. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus, who was invited to the wedding with his disciples, Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six water jars there with for the Jewish rite of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they will fill them, and they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now, draw out some and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now, when the master of the feast tasted the water, now we can't become wine and did not know where it came from. Though the servants had drawn the water new. 
the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Okay. So the first recorded miracle of Jesus. So this gal comes from that region. So my, why, how does this give us some, some indication of his reputation and why she might have thought she could approach him? Yeah, I mean, sometimes when you hear about something that somebody does, so let's let's take um, a poor example, but it's the only one that comes to mind. Um, let's take uh, a, a, a golfer. So Scotty Scheffler is kind of the number one golfer right now. Um, he's he's won five tournaments in the last, uh, you know, out of his last six, whatever. Um, well, I hadn't heard about him until like he won a second tournament, and then you start then you start following him start watching what he's doing you start going wow you know he's when he was a kid they put him in the older kids because he kept beating all the his his age group and you know with his golf and so you hear about him you, you you see what he's done and now you start watching him with an expectation of what he's going to do next and so I think that even um, so you, so Jesus has this reputation um, because okay he turned water into wine and many people believe but then other things happened and let's, what's going on with this Jesus guy, maybe, was, was what they're hearing. And so the, the wedding at Cana in, the, in that area was what got attention brought to Jesus uh, to some degree. Because as many disciples believed him, or the disciples believed him. And so now he, he, people are, you know, checking the news, basically. You know, where, what's, what's he doing? What's, what's the latest on Jesus? So, so he began doing his miracles in Cana in Galilee, which was not a Jewish place, although there were Jews there obviously having a, <laughs> a, a wedding. Um, so just that's a, some good things to know that, that, that his reputation would have been there. So back to uh, Matthew's account, why did the disciples want to dismiss the woman? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, first of all, she's a woman, a uh, Gentile, and they probably didn't even want to hear from her anyway. And, you know, it's kind of like you see somebody coming, oh, no, oh, no, don't talk to me, don't talk to me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then she says, have mercy on me. She's right, you know, oh, you know, um, you know now I got to deal with it. No, <laughs> so, how, can we get out, how can we get her out of the house? Right, right, so... <laughs> But that was their attitude towards her. I mean, there was more disdain because they just had no regard for them. For them. But now she's talking to us, and now she's asking for help. Oh, man, you're just bugging me. Just go away. Right? And so um, it's interesting that, that they note that. And I love the fact that, that the disciples are quite honest with who they are in their writings. And it's one of the, it's one of the great proof texts 
um, of the validity of the Bible is that the people who write it don't sugarcoat how much of a failure they were. Most people, especially fishermen, right, would have been, our catch was so big. <laughs> but they're like, no, we, we didn't catch anything. We feared. We were on the, the sea and we, scared, we got scared. And um, so all, the, all these other things. And so it's, it's one of those things you just look at it and you go, wow, um, you, you know, this is interesting. So now let's consider the following verses. Before you go on, yeah. I, uh, something that you said, and I think it was in, in Mark, was uh, it almost appears like Jesus' mission changed. Mm-hmm. And first of all, why did the disciples do that? Well, they're under the impression he's there for them. Sure. Not that anybody else. Right. And he sort of implied that. You, I mean, you mentioned it in that first word. Mm-hmm. That, you know, he came... He, was, he even said he was there for the Jews. Right, right. And it's almost like his mission over time changed. I think, uh, and, and, I, and I would just, I would agree with you, but I would change the wording. His mission over time was, great, was more greatly revealed. Well, I, that could be too. Yeah, because yeah, I think his mission was I always... It appears that his yeah. mission had changed. Right. He, he even said that he was there for, for the... For the onlooker, they would have, that's probably what they would have gotten. They're like, well, wait a second. We thought you were here for us. Uh, but, but really, when you read what he read in um, the, the synagogue, when, when they hand him the scroll, he reads that he's a light to the Gentiles and to give them a hope. And so he out foreshadowed it, and they're like, okay, whatever. And now they're seeing it. To your point, they're going, oh, wait, there's more. Go ahead, Harold. Yeah, so there was a note in one yep. of the footnotes in Matthew about... The disciples were sent out to the Jews. They were specifically mm-hmm. told not to go to the Gentiles. Correct. So that's that was the attitude of the of the disciples. Mm-hmm. Jesus told them to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, there was that also may have played into it a little bit. Yeah, and there's some cultural things that that would have prevented them really from going to the Gentiles. We look in Acts with Acts chapter 10 and 11 with, with Peter and, and the sheet that comes down and Cornelius sends his servants to go and, and um, from Joppa and, and Peter uh, even mentions, Acts even mentions, and it's unlawful for Jews to be with Gentiles and Peter invites them into his house, the, the servants, and then the next day goes with them and goes into their house, into, the, into Cornelius' house. And there's a note that, that Luke puts in there, and it, was, and it was unlawful. And then Peter even mentions it. You guys know it was unlawful for me to do this. In fact, in the, in the reading of that thing, it's almost comical. It takes, uh, I think it said six or seven brothers went with well, yeah. went, went, This went, could be hostile. Yeah, I don't know. Could no. be, could be serious, serious yeah. yeah, so I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, Delane, that there's a change, there's a shift um, because the people had certain expectations and Jesus is, 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 sh- is showing them, mm, your expectations are limited. Um, and again, but in the context, right? I mean, ever, after the resurrection, everything changed. Before, there was a lot. I mean, I think we just don't realize that we just think that the, the church was like it is today. Anybody can come. Well, it wasn't at the beginning. It, it was strictly, for the most part, Jewish only. Uh, and then over a period of a couple few years, as God revealed things to the disciples, it changed. It changed. Steve? Well, 
I was thinking of, of the glorious uh, kindness of, of, of examples in the Old Testament, Naaman, uh, where he goes before his yeah. king, and, and he's got leprosy. He's a valiant warrior. He's really esteemed, but he's defiled because he's got leprosy. And the little servant girl says, hey, over, we got a prophet over here. He can heal you. So he goes to the king, gets permission to go. And, uh, you know, just the story is fascinating. You know, just well, that process. and what's interesting is we see that God's heart has always been to include everybody because uh, you, uh, you mentioned... Uh, Ruth, the Moabite, mm-hmm. right? And she's actually a direct dis, uh, you know, line to Jesus. Exactly. Uh, in fact, I think it would be the grandmother, great-grandmother of, of David. Um, you know, so God has always shown the inclusion of all, all nations, but he said, hey, I'm going to make sure that, that my message of who I am as one God, here Israel, the Lord your God is one, it is sustained. And it's the only, only nation that has been conquered but maintain, has maintained its identity. It's phenomenal. Most, most people assimilate and they try. That's the big thing they do. You're going to marry our people. We're going to move you to other parts of the country and you're not going to be Jew anymore. Um, but somehow, well, God did this, but sustained the Jewish nation. Yes, Gene. Well, to that point, um, <clears throat> Jesus doesn't a lot have to do with, part have to do with, um, well, like Norwegians coming to America. You know, there's just, or any of the Nordics, Mm -hmm. there's a physical um, aspect of who they are that stands them out from the rest of the population, when they're be, even when they're being, you know, because I think of the Jews that are being assimilated in Babylon, yeah. and they do a lot of them do intermarry and stuff like that. But there is that physical traits, biological traits that do make them stand out if they don't assimilate. I mean, because when you assimilate, it's, well, if you assimilate, though, I mean, just think of, you know, genetically, um, then more and more uh, um, factors come in. So they start losing that identity. But, but the difference is, there's, and I would say that the difference is um, conquered and forced assimilation versus willingly moving and retaining. Because like in America, people can come and they do, I mean, they do really assimilate, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but they're not forced to go marry other people. And so they're not forced to disregard their heritage. Because uh, like when they would scatter the Jews, you can't practice anymore. You can't even do anything that's Jewish. You know, it, like in our country, when, like you said, Norwegians, well, then you have pockets of them, right? And they celebrate uh, their heritage and they still keep the festivals. A lot of these little groups still keep the the heritage of that. Well, if they were conquered, that wouldn't have been allowed. Um, so there's some of the ch- difference there. Yeah. Well, I, I can't quote the Bible like a lot of you can, but I remember, you know, I think it was reading in Kings where God was concerned about the contamination of the Jewish life. Mm-hmm. Was it Kings? It's, in, it's, in, it's there for sure, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> And, and Leviticus. I, you know, to me, there seems to be a more follow, or a, a evolution 
of things happening with regard to God in the world mm-hmm. uh, and so forth. It's it's hard for me to say that it, it was a unity all the way through. Oh, no, he always had a remnant, though. Um, and that's, you know, so there was always a pocket. But again, to, to your to, to the point that, that you're making is, as Christians, right, go out into all the world, um, we're, chain, we're, we're preaching basically a change in identity, right? Uh, you know, yeah, okay, you might be an American, uh, but my real identity is in Christ. And so that's the unifier now. It becomes the Christian identity um, of believers. And we don't want to get in the weeds on who are really believers and who aren't um, but, I mean, the reality is, is that it changes, right? We're no longer uh, just, I'm no longer just, you know, Kirk from Pocatello, Idaho. Well, I live in Pocatello, but my citizenship's in heaven. And so uh, that's uh, who my real king is and my real authority is, is King Jesus. So on the back page, let's start looking at the heart of the Lord, because this is really the issue that the disciples bring out. The New Testament brings out, right, that, that, that Jesus came, and this is a great segue from, hey, he helped this Seraphonician woman, this Canaanite woman he, who we didn't want to deal with. He honored her faith. So 2 Peter 3.9, somebody read that. Okay. How does that help us understand the heart of God and actually the, the, the ministry of Jesus while he was on earth? Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, really, you know, because if, you know, at any slice in my life, mm. you know, I mean, there are all these little slices through my life that if at any one point in time he had given up on me, I'd... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excuse the vernacular. Yeah. No, you're right. So thank God who is patient enough with me to see me through some of the challenges and things that I've done in my life. And back to the Jewish mindset before Christ and, and definitely um, <coughs> more so, uh, but it was they could care less whether those other nations and those other people lived. They had no value in them. Uh, you know, in fact, their whole thing was, we're going to rise, our king's going to establish us, and everyone else is going to be put to shame. And so for Peter to recognize, hey, no, God's heart is that everyone should be saved. And that's why he's taking so long to come back, because once he comes back, it's final. Uh, and so anyway, how about John three sixteen and 17? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Right, and John hits on something really important here. He doesn't say well, who, whatever Jew believes in him. Um, and, and, and he talks about the world. And this is totality. When you look at that word world, it's not just that moment in time. It's, it's the world. 
you know, the whole world, past, present, and future, that that's why Jesus came, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And again, that's, that's huge for us, right? I mean, that's the heart of God. And I think often um, we think, well, God only saves some. Well, God's desire is to save all. And God has made um, ample supply through Jesus Christ for all to be saved. Now, not everyone will receive that. We know that. But it doesn't mean that, that his, his sacrifice is limited. It's he has given us um, and anyone who would call upon. Does he know who's going to call upon him? Absolutely. Does that mean he only died for those he knows are going to call upon him? No. And if we, you know, and that's where we, well, we're not going to get into Calvinist theology here, but, but that's where we differ greatly um, from some of the, the uh, because we, we deal with foreknowledge and that's so hard for us in our little pea brains to understand. If God knows everything, then he does things that only have to do with what he knows, but yet how does, if he know anyway, well, we, we need more coffee um, and for yeah, I mean, that, that kind of conversation. That's sort of like if God told us which day we would die, that would not be good right. for our sanity, he might say. <laughs> <clears throat> and how would we live yeah, until we, that yeah, day? Exactly. How would <laughs> we live until that day? Exactly. Right. So. Some of us would sell everything and give to the poor, but most of us would say, I'm partying like it's 1999. Wait. <laughs> How about Acts 11, 4 through 18? But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision and an object descending like a great sheep, let down from heaven by four corners. And it came to me, when I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and the birds of the air. And I, and I heard a voice saying, to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever has any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and uh, we're all drawn up again. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was having, where I was having been seen uh, to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in the house, who had said to him, Send uh, men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you the words which you and all your household will be saved. And I began to speak. The Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord and how he said, John indeed baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying, then God has granted the Gentiles repentance to life. Okay. So we'll, we'll end here, but how does this... Give us the heart of God, Gene. Well, no, I was thinking Peter. Peter was the one that died Jesus three times. Correct. And, Jesus, and, and Peter was the one that was on the seashore in which Jesus told him the mission three times. 
here God is again telling Peter three times. It's a little slow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if Peter's slow, then there's hope for me. Yeah. Well, he's emphasizing the fact. But again, this heart is, I love the response of the brethren, the Jewish brethren. They fell silent and then they rejoiced and glorified God. And said, well, God's granted everyone. Basically, what they're saying is, God has granted everyone life. Um, and, and that's a huge revelation. I mean, it, it's just, uh, it, it changes how you function. It, you know, if we thought only God granted some people, or if only God said, you know, you have to come to our church in order to be saved. Although I do want people to come to our church, don't get me wrong. But, but it's like, you know, wait a second, God's bigger than our church. God's bigger than... than my little neighborhood. He wants everyone to be saved. Now, my view then towards everyone that I come in contact with, God, Jesus loves you. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to, to receive the forgiveness of sins. Um, and so that, that gives me, I don't have to sit there and go, uh, well, I wonder if there's someone God accepts or not. No, God wants everyone. Uh, so it makes it very easy for us. Um, but then we don't do very well on that. But that's a whole different subject. So let's pray and we'll pick it up there next week. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you as we all sit here as recipients of your grace and your mercy and your long suffering. We thank you that you have seen fit to include the whole world in your plan. And so thank you, Lord. Thank you for the, the everlasting life that you have given us. And so, Lord, we, we want others to know um, that you're not against them, but you actually love them and have provided a way for them to, to be free from sin and guilt and shame and to have hope for eternity. So, Lord, may we carry that hope with us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.